You are listening to motivational quotes and inspirational life stories from real life people just like you. I'm your host, Victoria Johnson. You can learn more about me and my number one best-selling book at victoriajohnson.org. It's time to share our experiences and motivate and inspire you. So let's get started. Hello, beautiful listeners. You are going to be very excited about who we have today as our guest. His name is Rob White, and he is from Boston. He is a well-known columnist for the Huffington Post, a speaker, and the author of five books, the most recent being The Maestro Monologue, Discover Your Genius, Defeat Your Intruder, Design Your Destiny. That sounds pretty good to me. We're going to talk a little bit about unlearning no and tapping into our own power. And uh, I really like what Rob says here, maybe even living our destiny. Sounds wonderful. Let's get started. Welcome, Rob. Well, thank you very much, Victoria. And thank you for having me on your show. It is absolutely my pleasure. Before we get started, I want to share your website in case people want to check you out while they're listening. It is robwhitemedia.com. And I'll repeat that, robwhitemedia.com. So tell me, how did you get into this field of helping other people, of living your best life? What was your inspiration? I started by wanting to improve myself. Uh, And so I started, I read a lot of books, starting with Napoleon Hill, and I started taking a lot of seminars by a lot of people and workshops by the likes of uh, Tony Robbins and uh, Ram Das, even he was, if you know who he was, uh, and I got to know him well at a workshop and um, just a lot of good folks. And what I got was no one, I never felt self-satisfied unless I was serving others. I really got there trying to satisfy myself. Why am I here and how can I satisfy myself and what I'm up to? If it's all about me, it wasn't working out. I had to be willing to serve others. Not had to be. Uh, That's what it's about. And when I met Louise Hay at a seminar she was giving, I got to capture her audience in the lobby before we went in. I had paid to go into that. And I got her for about eight or 10 minutes, her attention. And I was blown away by how deeply she listened to me. She looked in my eyes. She pondered what I was saying. She paused before she answered anything. And all of her All of the conversation was tailor-made for the moment. I wasn't hearing her quote chapter three of her latest book or any of that. And I got how self-satisfied she was because she was truly making a difference in the world. That's what really uh, blew me away and had me decide I want to get into that. Yeah. Well, listening to you say those words, two things. First of all, I can picture the scene and I can see how she would be focused just on you and be giving you that attention. And I also have goosebumps because I think that was one of her great gifts was inspiring other people to go out and do the same thing that she was doing. And I know that you also had an influence from your grandfather. Can you share that with us, please? Well, my grandfather influenced me in many ways. Uh, I'm not sure which one you're referring to. What I was reading about was how he lived to 99 and had the life of his dreams. Oh. Like, how wonderful is that? Yeah, my grandfather was a character, but he taught me a lot of quality traits in the character he was. For example, he didn't believe in doctors. He didn't believe in getting sick. I mean, he just didn't believe in getting sick. He never went into a hospital. 
he basically lived a healthy full life uh, until 99. He died quickly and calmly. But, and what he taught me was he trusted himself. Everything he did, he didn't ask for permission, not like he was arrogant, I'm going to do this. I mean, he trusted that if he made a decision, it was a good decision. And he didn't say to me, Bobby, trust yourself. But he did say to me, Bobby, trust yourself and everything. When I was learning ice skating and kept falling down and then I stopped seven, I want to go home. Uh, it's no fun. I'm cold. And he would say, you don't trust you can learn how to ice skate. What, what if you trusted you could learn how? Then what would you do next? Well, he would say little things like that. Uh, and I didn't, I dismissed him at the, that point. But I got, in order to go from where I started in a small mill town to where I am now, there had to be a lot of self-trust. Oh, it was great to go to read books and, and take seminars and gather friends who would support me. But in the end, if I didn't support me because I didn't trust that I had what it took, well, then I came up with incredible, I was a great excuse maker. Oh, no, nobody had the better reasons than me why I didn't get something done I what, promised myself I was going to do. You know, I'm making notes frantically because I'm loving the things that you're saying. And the one thing that really jumped out to me was when your grandfather said, what have you trusted yourself? Now, what about like for us, when we're in a place of fear, or we just automatically say, no, 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 I can't do that. What if we took the advice of your grandfather and said to ourselves, what if you trusted yourself? And this brings me to the part where in your book, you, The Maestro Monologue, which by the way, is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, The Maestro Monologue, discover your genius, defeat your intruder, design your destiny, this unlearning no piece that ties in for me with, you know, what if you trusted yourself? Well, you know what the book does, it's a little different than a lot different than a lot of self-help books. I take you to ground zero. When you were born, you totally trusted yourself. Absolutely, completely, no question about it. That's why you took on walking and talking, reading and writing up front. Because back then, when you fell down a hundred times to learn how to walk, you got up again. When you caught yourself mumbling of trying to learn how to talk, you just kept trying to pronounce the word you trusted, trusted, trusted. But then came the terrible twos. Let me tell you about the terrible twos. The terrible twos weren't nearly as terrible for your parents as they were for you, because that's when the news nose came rolling in. And they claim that's when the other self, I call it the unwanted mental house guest, the intruder was born. You were born the maestro, fully capable of trusting yourself and taking care of business, handling whatever shows up in your life. Then at age two, you were introduced to know. And by age five, according to child psychologists, some, you've heard 60,000 no's in one shape or form. By then, the big question you kept asking yourself was, what's wrong with me? And that's when you stopped trusting yourself. And some folks spend the rest of their lives living from that other self, the counterfeit self, the intruder, the unwanted house guest, mental house guest, who will convince you that you're flawed. Those 90, the only way, and how does it do it? By howling the nose over and over that you heard in childhood moments of fear and pain. Now, that intruder howls them unconsciously, but you hear them fully. And so what I got was the, your biggest adversity in life is not life, not the circumstances of life. Nobody out there in life, your biggest adversity is that other self who will never let go 
If you give it the opportunity, it will always tell you there's something wrong with you to the extent that if you do something, stub your toe, darn it, what the heck? And And immediately you're angry at yourself. You stubbed your toe. That's what people do when they're human beings. They stub their toes. Now, the maestro takes that on easily and and learns from it. What did I do that had me stub my toe? The intruder throws out a big howling no and has you blame someone. Who put that chair there? You should have tucked it under the table. What the heck is this doing here? Which has you not when you then catch yourself in a circumstance that's painful. You don't stop to learn from it. You stop to, 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 to feel guilty or angry. And some folks spend their whole lives caught in the intruder personality. I agree. And I think that, um, you know, the intruder personality can also be referred to. And, you know, please let me know if you disagree. As like that inner child that's constantly throwing these tantrums and being so reactive and so emotional and self-critical. And I feel like that, that voice within us is that what's wrong with me voice. That's that same voice that's saying, I'm not enough. Everyone else is better. I'm flawed. There's something broken about me. The I'm an imposter. If people really knew what I was like, they wouldn't like me. All of those things. Am I on the right track? Are you 100% on the track? Yes. The uh, that child within. You see, what was so traumatic about your first snow, Victoria? Mom loved you, hugged you. Dad loved you, hugged you. Everybody loved you, hugged you. And then you did something and you explored beyond what you should have. You stuck your finger in the toilet bowl. It doesn't matter what. And mommy said, no, no. In that moment, you had a psychological experience that traumatized you. And this is what it was, a break from belonging. Up to then, you felt like you were so part of the community. You never experienced being separate. That is the, that's when the intruder... The other self, the counterfeit self, was born. Now, the thing about this intruder, the inner child within, of course, the intruder sets up camp when it hears that first no and gains strength over the next four years with 60,000 no's. Victoria, you never get rid of the intruder. That's part of being a human being. Unless you're Buddha or Krishna or Jesus, you're going to live with the intruder. You're always going to feel awkward at some moment no matter how much gain you've made with stuff. And that's always the intruder saying to you, see, I told you, what are you doing taking these chances or whatever it may tell you. Another time when the intruder for me, I know it's taken over when I insist I'm right. You see, the intruder has to be right about everything. And one thing it's right about is you're wrong about a lot of things. We got to cover it up. So the best way to cover it up is just be stubborn as a mule. When I was a little kid, stubborn, my grandfather used to say, my God, Bobby, you're as stubborn as a mule, aren't you? And I didn't get it then, but I heard that voice. Thank God my grandfather's voice traveled with me. And I got when in my God, it must have taken me till my 30s when I caught myself uh, so upset when others wouldn't agree with me. And it wasn't about the topic. It was I had to be right because if I was wrong, that proves I'm flawed and I can't afford to let that be known. So what you're saying, I think, is that that intruder, that inner voice, it carries the past with us, but it also is ego based, maybe. So two things, I love what you said. Yeah, it's totally ego-based. And secondly, it is stuck in the past. It never leaves you. It's always bringing you, here's something interesting to know about human beings. If something happens to you today, Victoria, that is traumatic, 
it re- it's only traumatic because it reminds you of something that happened to you between two and five. If it didn't happen back then, you can handle it and there's no trauma. The intruder, the other self, the child within, we'll call it the uh, nasty child within, it is stuck in the past. Everything that you do today, it ever takes you back to the past unconsciously and lines you up with something back then that gave you great pain. And then you get all defensive today, just like you did back then. So a big one for me was stubborn as a mule. I got to be right, period. So how did you break out of that thinking? Well, what I describe in the book is I had to call an MD. I invented an MD. Now, an MD is not a medical doctor. It's a marvelous denial. What I learned I had to do was look at this other self that's not me, that I give so much credence to, like it is me. By the way, it is such a great pretender. It not only convinced me it's me, it convinced the world it's me. I have to look at it. And when it says to me, don't take this chance, you're going to look foolish. I say to it, that's a lie. I can take this chance and I don't have to look foolish. Even if I fail at it, I don't have to look foolish. One of the greatest gifts I got from talking with Tony Robbins was he said he had to endure looking foolish hundreds of times a week. Uh, And his friends who didn't want to look foolish didn't take chances and always ended up being who they always were. If you're going to be someone you weren't, someone you want to be that you're not yet, well, then guess what? You're going to have to look foolish. But you don't have to feel foolish looking foolish. Just when the Wright brothers invented heavier-than-air flying machine, the first airplane, there were tapes of that with their flying machine and it was tumbling over down the hill and they looked foolish and I used to show these tapes as previews before movies in the movies theaters and everybody laughed at the Wright brothers look at how foolish these two crazy brothers are trying to get a machine that can fly that is so dumb and today you've got your frequent flyer miles because they didn't care if they looked foolish because they got getting to where you want to go means make well here's something important Getting to where you want to go means failing your way to success because you're not going to get there. If you're going to be safe and secure, that's the intruder. It'll protect you. It'll make you feel secure. But all of your dreams are nothing but pipe dreams. Your fantasies don't become fact if you're not afraid to look foolish and fail. And the way you don't care about looking foolish and failing is when I make a mistake, Mr. Mark, I'm willing to learn from it, try a retake. And until I refine it and get it done and pick up that megaphone like the Hollywood director and say, that's a take, that celebration of that's a take makes it all worth it. Wow, did I need to hear that today. And it's resonating with me so much that I'm sure it's resonating with the listeners as well. And, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I think it's something that we all struggle with. Like We all have these dreams, goals, aspirations, and they seem far away. And, you know, here we, here we sit, say at point A, and they sit at point Z or Z, depending on what country you're in. And um, we have to go B, C, D, E, F, G. And most of those will be falling down and picking ourselves up. A couple of them we might slide through quite nicely. But to get to where we want to be, like you said, we have to be willing to, quote unquote, fail or fail forward. And I just really needed to hear that today. So I, I thank you for that, Rob. I thank you so much. You know, Victoria, want, oops. Go, please go ahead. When I was learning to play tennis uh, in college, I always wanted to play someone that wasn't as good as me. 
so I could I could feel good. So I, I played with people who were not quite as good as me, and I never advanced. I only was as good as I got. And I eventually I got, if I was going to get any better, I had to play people better than me and look foolish and trip and fall and miss the tennis ball and, and do all kinds of look foolish. Well, I never became a professional tennis player, but I became a lot better when I was willing to, well, life is always presenting us with challenges that are a little bit better, not better, that's not the word, but a little bit tougher than what we are used to. And if we're not willing to fail forward, if we're not willing to know we're going to fail, but in the process we're going to, it's a matter of course correction constantly. If we're not willing to do that, and the intruder doesn't want you to do that. The intruder says, don't make a fool of yourself. Uh, you know, sit back. There's reasons out there in the world why, why you can't do this. Grab a good reason. A lot of people, there's an, an old story, people who are successful walk around with a book of results and people who wish they were successful and don't seem to make it have a big fat book of reasons. You got to toss the reasons out. And the only way I find I can toss out a reason is I can turn a problem into a possibility if I'm willing to look at what is this problem trying to teach me? As upset, nervous, angry, resentful as I am, and that's the intruder take, getting a grip over my mind, I'm willing to look deeper than that and say, what is there here for me to learn so that I might grow? And is that how you, in the book, talk about getting over that sabotaging past, you know, escaping from that trap of uh, being stuck in reasons and problems and moving into results and possibilities? Or can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, you see, what I notice is you may, your dreams may become reality, may become. And that depends on which I am you are going to be using, or you're not even using, being. Uh, if you're being the maestro, and I use the maestro for a reason. When you're born, you're fully capable of orchestrating your, your earthly destiny and conducting your daily affairs. And you know it. You don't know the word maestro. You can't speak to yourself but you're all it. Well, maybe your dreams will come true if you are willing to, to turn to the maestro and let, that's your intuition. Your intuition will tell you so much about what there is for you to, to do next. And the maestro is the magnet. They call it the law of attraction. Well, it's the maestro that's a magnet that attracts to you the right and perfect person that will give you the next tip you need to advance forward. Now, the intruder, on the other hand, I don't have to go any further because we're also used to him. I don't have to explain him to you. He's the one that's got every reason why life is tough and there's nothing he can do about it. Absolutely. And you know, those thoughts over and over and over then become our belief system. And we can just get pretty comfortable sitting in that belief system and coasting through life, but not, like you said, uh, rediscovering our limitless potential. Well, you know what you just said, and I use this. Someone says, well, I can't do that. I say, that's your BS, belief, <laughs> meaning belief system. You know, I get your, your belief system is BS, but I say, that's your BS, your belief system. You can let that go. You can let go of, I can't do that. See, a lot of folks don't get, you can let go of, I can't do that. I mean, I remember when I was learning how to, oh, years ago, I took ballroom dancing and I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. And I remember the instructor saying, you can do it. And I thought, well, what do you mean I can do it? I just told you I can't do it. Uh, I, I thought that. I didn't say it. 
But that was like an, a, a, a satori, a wake up moment. Wait a minute. You mean if I say I can't do something? That's see, I say in the book, by the way, don't get caught in your cannots. I cannot is you being stubborn and doing whatever you have to do to not do it. See, I cannot learn how to dance. I'm not rhythmic. That is stubbornness. And many of us walk around with our cannots. And most of our cannots we can do if we are willing to get rid of the knot in our stomach and be so stubborn about it. Something that simple for her to say, you can do it. What? I mean, I can do it. I just told you I can't. She didn't buy it. Yeah. So how did you reframe that thought? Just using that example of the ballroom. You know, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, what process I, allows you to reframe it? So I said, I cannot do it. And stubbornly was saying, I'll do everything I can not to be a good dancer. And she said, you can do it. And she said, and then she started instructing me. I had a partner and she became my partner to show me how to move. And just her easiness and her smiling and her not caring whether I made a mistake or not had me relax. And I got the knot was the knot in my stomach. And if I just relaxed and the knot in my stomach starts to go away, I could just say, I can do it even before I did it. And by the way, when you say I can do it before you did it, what you're doing is you're going out into the future and standing in the future, seeing yourself doing it, and then coming back to now like it's already done. This is something we children do it when, they, when they're crawling and they want to walk, when they're mumbling and they want to talk, when they watch your mommy read the book and they want to read the book. You go out in the future seeing yourself having already done it. And with that feeling of certainty, you float back to now. And here's what's strange. What, listen to this one, Victoria. It's no longer an imagining. It's a memory. It's like you remember doing it. And when you remember doing it, of course you can do it. You already did it, even though it's only in your mind. <laughs> so beautiful what you're saying. And so true. I have just been smiling from ear to ear this entire interview and I've got so much from your words. And I really look forward to reading your book, The Maestro Monologue, Discover Your Genius, Defeat Your Intruder, Design Your Destiny. Those words are so powerful. So I encourage uh, everyone listening, pick up the book as well, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Before we uh, sign off for today, was there any last thoughts or tips that you had for the listeners? Well, I think what is important to understand is the most courage you have to have is to look at the I am that you are not, that you think you are, that's flawed. It's scary to look at that because you're afraid it's real. It's an illusion. It's a myth. It's a lie. That's probably, and, and then I say, call a marvelous denial on that lie. Deny that lie and feel marvelous about yourself. That's so powerful. One thing that I've noticed is that people get very defensive when we talk about the lies we tell ourselves. And, and they often say, myself included, um, I don't lie to myself. So one last question, how do you recognize a lie? Whenever I have a knot in my stomach and I feel I can't handle something, I know that life would never give me something I can't handle. See, and then I have to get, I am creating this fear, this panic, this pain. So therefore, I'm lying to myself. And, and really, I trust in life. Life is here to support me. It's not here to harm me. Life isn't here to harm any living creature. Life is. Now, what human being, the strange thing about being a human being is no other creature on this planet, we're the most intelligent by far, harm themselves by themselves like human beings can do. Yes. You're so so right about all of that. And just 
in closing, I always like to share a quote. And when you were speaking about life supporting you and life wanting the best for you and us getting in the way, it reminded me of something that Louise Hay used to always say, which was life loves me. Life loves me. Life supports me. Love, life loves you. Life supports you. And I appreciate you being here today. I am excited to continue learning more from you. And thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's robwhitemedia.com to learn more about Rob and his amazing new book, The Meister Monologue, Discover Your Genius, Defeat Your Intruder, Design Your Destiny. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for joining us today. It is my true desire that you have been inspired and felt a sense of connection with the words being shared. If you have an inspirational story to share on how you have overcome adversity and created an exceptional life, please visit my website, victoriajohnson.org. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next time.